Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. You hear me asking all these questions on your radio giving you the chance to head to the gold coast five questions for the win supercars on the line oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven you're mine it's quizzy deck Give it a go, it's Quizzy Deck, now don't you choke, it's Quizzy Deck, who knows the most, it's Quizzy Deck, we're going to the go-go! That's right, you could be going to the Gold Coast, you could be going to the Gold Coast, how good, courtesy of Willamette Travel, yes. Gonna get Richie from Upper Hut on the show. He's on the morning, Richie. Morning, Izzy. Is that real loud, Louis? <laughs> <laughs> you came in pretty hot there. I don't know why, but this whole setup's pretty loud, isn't it? Um, anyway, we'll have to fiddle with this little little setup I've got here in the hotel room. Anyway, Richie, morning. Uh, we'll get you up first, mate. Question number one. Blake Bernard is the national champion in which sport? Blake Bernard, champion in which sport? Might be pool. It is. It is pool. Well, he's going to be on the show the at seven forty this morning. So early, stay early tuned, Richie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Here we go. Question number two: How many NBA teams did Shaquille O'Neal play for? Five. Shaquille O'Neal, the Magic. Three, two, two, one. 
Sorry, it's not two. Good tea, Kanga Richie. Yeah, have a have a good day, Richie. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to Jade from Hamilton. Morning, Jade. Morning, though, brother. How are you? Yeah, good. Morning, Jade. Jade. Morning. Question number two, brother. How many NBA teams did Shaquille O'Neal play for? I'm just trying to do a quick count up. I think. Four, three, I reckon it's two, seven. Oh. Close. It's not seven. Tata. Sorry, Jade. Have a good day, brother. Thanks for calling in. We're going to go <laughs> to Mark. He's having a good laugh there too, is he? <laughs> Mark from Tauranga. Morning, lads. How are you? Yeah, good, Marky. How are you, brother? Bloody good. I have no idea, but if seven was close, uh, we'll, we'll go with six. <laughs> six is good, correct. Good man, yeah. good man. Good ears, good ears. Here we go. Question number three. Name one of New Zealand's goal scorers from last night's Trans-Tasman Hockey Series. Oh, mate. I have no idea. And I don't even know many of the girls' names. Um, any, any potential clues uh, for a friend of friend, Kimmy? Yep. Beautiful flower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shivers. Um, nah, boys. Um... What, you don't buy your no, wife flowers? And the expensive oh, ones. I do. I buy, I, I buy her roses. Mate, mm-hmm. I don't even know the names of really flowers. Enough, <laughs> so, um. Sorry. Oh, Kipi, Kipi. That's a good clue, because that's only half of the clue. That's the first name. Anyway, we're going to go to Luke and from Dunedin. Morning, Luke. Nah. You there, bud? Lukey. Oh, Lukey's gone. We're going to go to Brett from Huntley. Morning, Brett. Morena, brothers. How are Morena. we? Morena, Brettie. We're good. How are you? Uh, yeah. Salty. <laughs> Salty. Salty. my mate yesterday. What happened? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Louis and Kimpy will inform you. Okay. <laughs> hey, we need to speed this up. We need to speed this up. I need to really update. Name uh, one of New Zealand's goal scorers from last night. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's pretty, honest. Pretty, pretty, pretty. All right, we're going to go Luke from Dunedin. Morning, Luke. Oh, he's gone. Simon from Auckland. Morning. Morning, Simon. Name one of the goal scorers from last night's Trans-Tasman Hockey Series. Olivia Shannon. Bang. Bang. That is correct. Question number four. Which sporting identity is married to Ginger Spice? Um, any clues on that one? Uh, yep. Formula One, team principal. Red Bull. Religious. Um, <laughs> Red Bull. Sorry. Get out. You're out, Simon. You're going to go to Ed and Tolago. Morning, Ed. Morning, brothers. Oh, you're, Morning. On, you're on the... Which sporting identity is married to Ginger Red Spice? Bull. Jerry Hallowell. Oh, man. Sorry, brothers. No, no, it's gone out of my head. Sorry, Tim from Christchurch. <laughs> oh. Tim from Christchurch. He's gone. Luke from Dunedin. Morning. Morning, morning. Which sporting identity is married to Ginger Spice? Warner. Beautiful. Manchester City have reportedly signed European wonder kid Erling Haaland. 
Which club did they sign him from? I know oh, nothing. I, find a on that one. I know nothing. Of yellow bumblebee strip. Borussia Dortmund. Damn. Well done, Luke. You're in the draw, mate. Thank you, Louis. There you go, Luke. On the absolute hooter, thanks to Willem and Travel. Luke, you could be heading to the Goldie. Gee, I told you that was a tough quiz. Back after this. All right, we're going to rip into this. I'm excited for this conversation. Another attempt to revitalise and align the global rugby calendar is underway this week as Dublin plays host to meetings with the powers of the international game. A nation's championship concept that would see six countries from the each hemisphere play a top division year over competition culminating in a grand final. This has been tabled and dismissed previously, but the context of the COVID pandemic and private equity interest in the sport's growing a major commitment could be in the works. Alex Lowe is a rugby correspondent for The Times and he had exclusive details on this story. He's on the show right now. Morning, Alex. Good morning. Hello from London. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Exciting news for me, personally. It's Izzy here, mate. I'm pretty excited about this new concept. Are you? Do you know, I, I am, yes. Um, I know there are some critics of it and, and some opponents of it, but I think that the biggest guide for me um, is that, that the players' unions are behind it mm. and the emerging nations are behind it. And as you mentioned, it had been tabled before. This is a, a different version of the plan that yep. came up for discussion in 2019. And at that, that time, the players and the emerging nations had been locked out of all the talks and they were dead against it. And I, th- I sort of take a cue from, from those guys, really. If, if the players are happy and... And the emerging nations feel that this is a model that will help them grow and it'll help, it'll help us grow the sport so we have more competitive teams. We can get different nations into the quarterfinals of a World Cup. If they're behind it, I think that's a really good indication that, that we're on the right road to a structure that can help the global game instead of just making the rich richer. Alex, who's behind, who's behind the big push? Is it the Northern Hemisphere or is it the Southern Hemisphere? It's a joint effort, if you like. It's, it's Six Nations and Sansa. It's, it's not being led by World Rugby. They're facilitating the conversations. But certainly the Six Nations who've got now got private equity investment, they've already taken a, a step along the way to this by um, pooling all the television rights for the November test matches. And, and you, you'll have noticed last year um, there were no overlaps in kickoff times. So they could maximise exposure and, and, and television income. And, then, and they pulled it all. All those rights arrangements were done as one in the belief that that will drive up the overall uh, size of the pie, if you like. Um, and, and that's the general idea here. But if you, if you create a narrative, create a competition out of the July test matches and the November test matches, um, and you pull all the resources and all, and all the revenues, then actually it will be better for everybody. Now, the biggest sticking point I understand is is going to be how they they reach that 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 revenue sharing agreement and revenue sharing has been one of the biggest friction points um, uh, over the years. You, you'll remember, I remember a few years ago, New Zealand were were coming to Twickenham and and were arguing that they deserved a, a cut of the money because the RFU could could sell tickets for for more for higher prices because the All Blacks were in town, but the model didn't allow for that and the RFU suggested probably unhelpfully that, that New Zealand should probably go go build their own stadium rather than have lease agreements and that kind of friction hasn't helped 
it now feels like there is a, 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 a movement towards creating a model that works better for everybody. And one of the issues on the table this week is um, if the World Rugby wants an indication from the major unions that they're prepared to try and make this work and, and create some revenue sharing arrangement. My, my understanding is that, is that the six nations are, are more unified on this than the Sanzar nations. You, you guys would, would know more just because of the politics that's happened with, with Sanzar and, and the end of Super Rugby and, and, and such like that um, they need greater alignment to bring it all together. And, and that's one of the key elements of the talks in Dublin this week. What are the, what are the feelings of the big the big wigs? You know, you got the Welsh, the French, and, and the English. Are they committed to to a change and allowing the South to come up and maybe dictate things a bit more? We know the North dictate a lot of the you going forwards with world rugby being situated up in the North. Are they are they saying much about this proposed change? They're keeping their powder dry at the moment publicly. But um, the fact that, from what I can gather from talking to various sources who are in and around those talks, there is a will to try and get this done up here. Like I say, they're already moved in that direction with um, with the November test, the Autumn Nation series, as they now brand it, and with CVC, the private equity firm on board. You know, they don't, they don't get involved in things where, um, without a lot of detail and a lot of um, understanding of what the upside is and. And we, we were told yesterday that, that there's a, a projection that if this was if this competition was to come off, then the global sport would be worth at least 40% more. And that's the kind of industry that the CBC and Silver Lake with, with New Zealand, that's why they get involved in, in, in rugby, because they see the potential there. And I think that influence, you mentioned it at the top, that influence of, of private equity is, is, is quite strong in, in driving the sport to a place where you know, it's tried to get to at times before. I, I had a message from someone yesterday who, who first tabled this kind of idea in 2009 and it was dismissed out of hand because of, no one would, would engage in, in revenue sharing. Well, that's mm-hmm. back on the table again. Um, and there is optimism from people involved that, that this, this, this time, probably the third time it's been on the table, it, it could work. That's my question, Alex. Around private equity, like, like, who, where is that all that money coming from? Is that like from Murdoch? Is it from you know the the Silver Lakes of the Amazons, those type of people? And if the problem is money, why don't if they're making that much money, why don't they make it across the board where people can't refuse it? Is that what the talks are about? Because because you're right, the All Blacks and the English and the Welsh, they all bring their own, I guess. Um, uh, story and narrative to the table, which deserves to be paid yeah. for. But does that private equity conversation then take that off the table and say, well, you're actually going to, if you're saying 40% of private equity is, is lifting the, the money in the game, isn't that conversation now removed and, and it's just a decision? Yeah, it, it'll be about, so the 40% uplift, that, that would come from the greater commercial value of a, of a global competition that would reach a climax with a grand final and the drama at the bottom of promotion and relegation playoffs, um, ticket sales, television, you know, they would project that by, by creating a narrative around fixtures that already happen, but they happen as one-off games or as mini-series, they think they could sell that package for more money to broadcasters, um, you know, whether it's Amazon, like you say, or uh, and the commercial value would, would be higher. That's where they think the uplift is. 
the the complexity of that uh, of the financial discussion is all about let's take Wales as an example. Wales plays four games every November. The fourth one is outside of the window. Last year it was against New Zealand and, and they, they had a weakened team. But they need that fourth game because it helps the union break even for the year. If in this current in this plan, if you had you had your three tests in November and then a final and relegation playoffs, Wales would need to if Wales weren't in the final, they would need to be certain that they wouldn't be losing out financially and that they could get a cut of the bigger pie to at least make sure that they are where they are now, if not better off. But and at least every every country will have their own their own issues with that. Now, fascinatingly for me, Fiji are a country that would bring really nothing commercially to the table. Mm. But if but if they had regular test matches against what had been known as tier one nations, the value that, that an enhanced Fiji team would bring to the global game would be enormous because of because of how attractive they are as a, as a rugby nation and and the kind of the, the heart and soul of of the sport we love, you know, we all want to sit back and watch watch Fiji play. They wouldn't bring any any kind of real money to the table, but mm. the value that they would bring to the sport and being able to play these test matches would be, would be enormous. So every, every country's got its own situation, and that's that's the complexity of trying to find a formula that fits for everyone. And it means some countries have to give some stuff up, but they'd be giving it up for the greater good and, and the hope that that we can, we can grow the game and, and have more teams competing to make the quarterfinals of a World Cup in, in years to come. Yeah, that's my next question about the promotion and relegation. Um, obviously a great opportunity for the, the, the smaller nations to be a part of this big kind of uh, involvement in this tournament. Um, with the private equity and the investment in the Six Nations and, and from CVC and, and Silver Lakes, is there a bit of part, like you just spoke about Fiji and, and potentially with um, Samoa and Tonga down under, if if they are able to be relegate, uh, promoted up the north, you've got Italy that are potentially looking at it at, at being relegated, and you've got Georgia, you know, you've got some nations that potentially don't have a lot of the funding. Are they a part of the talks of maybe getting a slice of that pie, like you said, that they're not going to bring in any any broadcasting money, but are they going to still get a slice of the pie so we can help these young, smaller nations develop? Yeah, I, I believe so. And the plan, so th- th- there would be no relegation from the Six Nations, which was one of the issues that, that, okay. that halted the talks last time. So the Six Nations of the Rugby Championship would remain as sort of privately run competitions, which they are now. This would, the promotion relegation would only happen in this, let's call it the Nations Championship. It doesn't have a name yet, but the, this yep. global competition. And there would be there'd be a playoff. There'd be a northern hemisphere playoff and a southern hemisphere playoff for the two the two lowest ranked teams from from the north and the, and the south. And that the current working model is that Japan and Fiji would join the top competition, and the the secondary competition, which is then called the Challenger Divisional Challenger Series or something like that, um, would contain yeah Samoa, Tonga, Georgia, USA, Chile, and they would they play in a similar way. A lot of those matches would happen in one country to cut down on travel costs. But from what I'm told, they're all, they're all well behind that idea. And then, yeah, the top two would, would get the chance to play off and get promoted. And my understanding is that part of the, the overall pie would go to those countries. Now, the mm. second-tier nations like Samoa have already indicated that they'd be, they're prepared to give up what is currently a guaranteed fixture every, every November against a, a, a Tier 1 nation. So whether it's England at Twickenham or... Wells in Cardiff, that's that's 
secured at the, under the current San Francisco fixture arrangement. They're all prepared to give that up in order to join this new competition. And in return, they would get the better performing teams in that second tier in a Lions year when this competition won't run. They would have inbound tours. So you could have an England team, admittedly without their Lions players, coming to play the Test Series in Tonga or or Samoa, or go to Chile mm. if they're one of the top-performing countries. And that's that doesn't happen at the moment. Mm. So it would guarantee fixtures against Tier 1 nations, but perhaps not as regularly, but it would also it would provide an opportunity to join that top tier. And then you'd, if you get promoted, then you'd get 11, 11 of those games. Mm. Alex, it sounds like a GP series or Grand Prix that they're trying to put together, obviously with the private equity to pay for people, because to be brutally honest, second-tier nations will, will happily hand up their, their opportunity to play a, a tier one nation if the money's right. So that's a given. But yeah. given that you're putting all this together, how how much do the Northern clubs need to buy in this? Is it is it dependent on them buying into it, seeing that they have the better competitions club-wise club up there? Yeah, the, the one issue that the, that the clubs have, uh, because there are no extra games being arranged, the, the only issue the clubs have is what happens on that fourth weekend of November mm. um, because the, the World Rugby... Um, international window is only three weeks long and so any all those those fourth games like wales against new zealand last november that's outside so they're not required to release players for it and so that's the weekend where there'd be a grand final and relegation playoffs and potentially other games in the middle although that is unlikely so they would need some compensation or there would need to be a financial arrangement reached or world rugby would need to change the regulation nine uh release period and perhaps that might then one of the the, the, the suggestions that could lead to the Six Nations being contracted. So that currently they have two rest weeks in the Six Nations. If you lost one of those rest weeks, could could you add? Would would they allow um, an extra international week to be added on in November? But broadly, the clubs are behind it um, mm. because it doesn't really impact them any more than than the current situation. It would just need um, a, a agreement on relief. I think there are around a hundred players in the Premiership in England who could play a test match for another country every on a November weekend, probably more in France with, with all the Georgians that, that they have and South Africans playing, playing in France. But the clubs are, the clubs are broadly behind it. Um, they will just, they'll just ask for their slice of the financial pie as well if they're asked to release the players for, for that fourth weekend. What the clubs are most interested in, certainly in England, from my understanding, is actually getting a Club World Cup agreed. Yeah, and that, I think that's actually easier to do yes. because the seasons are lined. We want to see that, event. Alex. We want to see it. Yeah, so well, so, <laughs> so do we. You know, we've, we've just had the, um, the European Cup quarterfinals this weekend, and there were some absolutely incredible games. And you can just imagine watching a Leinster what about or that a shooter? Toulouse. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't happen very often, does it, in rugby? But it, but that yeah. was a hundred minutes of blood and thunder. Forty thousand Munster fans of they had to travel to, to Dublin from Limerick because Ed Sheeran had a gig at their stadium and they turned it sort of Toman Park on tour, just the, the vibrancy and the tribalism. And imagine that against the Crusaders or, 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 or the Chiefs. Yeah. It, would be, it would be brilliant. And, and that's what the clubs in England are really, they're happy to go along with this because they want, they want World Rugby to endorse a, a Club World Cup. 
Oh, mate. I've, I've, we've been asking that for years. They do it in league, and I think it'll go great in the game of rugby, mate. We appreciate you on the show, Alex Lowe. Very insightful, great detail, and uh, we appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much. Anytime, guys. Good to talk to you. Awesome. What a champion, Alex Lowe, over, uh, over in the UK. Give us a text, double eight double three or 0800 811 if you want to have a chat about what you've just heard. Are you for? Are you against? I'm all for it, man. I love it. Just innovative, exciting, something new, especially the last one, the clubs. Crusaders taking on the Saris over there, the Harlequins, whoever, Toulouse. It's got to happen. Anyway, we'll be back shortly. Make sure you send us a text, double eight double three, or even better, give us a call, 0800 811. You listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the chemist we ask. Great savings every day. Let's throw it over to you, Dunk, to intro your, your hometown Protégé. Oh, yeah, man. Eh? Two days in a row, mate. Quarter to youngster. Kuro, oh, exactly. No, nah, not a quarter yet, bro. Don't, so don't you ever call me that, okay? You know, it's right down <laughs> in my tarot. I might have to touch up your taringas. But we've got him two days in a row. And uh, like we said, we've got two boys from Taranaki. This one from Waitara. And Blake Bernardi, youngster from my hometown in Waitara, has taken out the national title in the junior pool event of eight ball competition. He's a pool shark. There's plenty of those that I've played with in my day. And I wonder how he'd go down in Tony and Vince's Mr. S's, Mr. Sisseridge's, the old pool parlour in Waitara if I was around, because I'd take his 50 cents, is he? That's what I used to pay for, 50 cents, mate. You get two pieces of fish and some chips and an ice cream and you're off you go on your way home. But he's on the line and with us at the moment. Blake, how are you going, brother? Good, how are you? Oh, very good, man. Take us through it. From dub T, um, mate, dub T to world champ, take us through it. How'd you get there? So I played in the juniors down Christchurch. Um, I w- went down there, won the junior national doubles with um, Daniel Cole. Um, nice. He lives in, he lives down um, down south. Awesome. Awesome, mate. And how'd you how'd you get into the game of game of sport, mate? You're obviously very talented at it. And we read the article. You you carried your dad through the father son tournament. But mate, how'd you get into into the game of pool? So, my first pool comp, I started playing down at the Waitara TNC Club, which was on every Friday night. Awesome. I got better and better, and started winning a couple of them. Awesome. And then what awesome. you went and re- represented Taranaki, was it? Then Was that the pathway? You went from Waitara to Taranaki, then Taranaki to North Island, North Island to National, National to World Champ. Is that how it worked? <laughs> um, well, I've been going to the New Plymouth Club too yeah. for almost two years now. And what? And, and how, how old are the players that you're playing against? Are they men or are they all around the same age? Or um, old fellas. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you give them a bit of banter? <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's your best line, mate, when you got them? What's your best line when you got them? You're like on the eight ball and, and you're just about to sink it. Do you just look over to them and give them a wink? Or what, what's your style? I guess mild at them. <laughs> <laughs> your, dad, your dad, Zane, eh? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so, and you two have played together in the father and son competition as well, and you've been carrying them. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so, we had to face other parents and kids, and there were only one a game. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. and 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 what you guys are just known. What's your like? What's your nickname, mate? Because you know we used to have what nicknames when we went through White up when we played, especially played teams in Auckland and that. We used to have these nicknames. What's yours and your dad's nickname? What do you call yourselves? Like the White Terrors or what? What what, what is your go to name? Um. So my coach gave me. Silent Assassin. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Nice. Nice, Blakey. Oh, I love that. Love that, mate. Awesome. Silent Assassin. I'm going to call you the Silent Assassin now. Okay, Silent Assassin. What next for you, bud? What's next for you going forward? You've obviously uh, the national champ. What do you want to do? You want to head overseas and try your arm, charts your arm overseas? Yep. I'm going to train a lot. Yep. Yeah, and you're going to play on that, that World Series um, that's on the TV at the moment. It's been playing all week on Sky TV. Have you seen that? Do you want to play on that? Yeah, one day. <laughs> one day. Oh, well, mate, it's been awesome to talk to you, Blake. You say hi to everyone down home for me, to yeah. your dad and, and everyone. Uh, did you go to Waitara High School? Yep. He's 15, yep. Kimpy. He's on his way to school in a I'm just, I'm just making it well, they don't all go to Waitara High School. What I want you to do is to go into the hall in Waitara High School and look up and there's this photo of this handsome fellow in his Kiwi jersey <laughs> and just do a little cut of care, mate, because that'll take you to the top. All right? That'll take don't, you to the top. Oi, just, just don't listen to him. He's the silent silent uncle, okay? We call him Silent <laughs> Uncle. Well done, Silent Assassin, mate. You're a champion. Awesome work. Okay, thank you. Live on SCNZ, like Aroha said in the news, we have hooped heads at an earlier time of 8pm tonight, leading into live commentary of Game 3 of the NBL Finals between the Sydney Kings and the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Back here in New Zealand, NBL is underway, and the Taylor Hawks are once again looking like leading contenders for the title after falling short the previous two years in the grand final. Their head coach, McDonough, is looking to get them over the hump in his first season with the team, having previously been coach for the Canterbury Rams and the Brisbane Bullets. He joins us this morning to give us an update on our teams heading towards tomorrow night's match. Morning, Mick. Morning. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for having me, mate. How are you enjoying, uh, enjoying the beautiful bay? Oh, uh, Awesome. As I talk to you, I'm at home, but I've got I can look out and I can see uh, see a bit of water, and it's uh, real nice. <laughs> it's really really nice. Paradise, they say. Better than better than the uh, the other coast up in the New Plymouth area. It's uh, it's a beautiful part of the <laughs> of the country, mate. Now, nah, um, but you you only relatively into the start of the season. Are you, how are you finding it, mate? Are you happy with how things are progressing with the team? Obviously, coming off the strong win against the Taranaki Ears in your last game. Yeah, it was good to bounce back against them because we dropped our um, our home opener um, in a in a close one. But um, I think just more the way that the way the guys played, way more to I guess the identity that we want to play, uh, more aggressive and up tempo. And uh, it was good to go out on the road and and um, and have a game like that um, straight away. As you know, when you if you lose a game, best thing to do is be able to turn around and play one not not long after. Hey, Mickey, only uh, one of two teams in New Zealand with all New Zealand players was that intentional? Uh, not really. Um, it ended up that way. It started uh, because the way the league was going to be with COVID and all that stuff, it was going to be a New Zealand-only league um, with the pro- uh, proviso that if government you know, changed all that sort of stuff, then we would allow imports. But that change came quite late. So us and one of the other teams, um, you know, we basically was like, well, we've got to put a team of New Zealanders together that can win win this thing. And then, then if it allows um, you know, imports in, then we would look at that. Um, but we've been able to secure 
you know, several kind of like tall black national level players. So, you know, they're, they're in our mind, they're as good as imports and we're pretty, pretty happy with the group that we've got. So is Jack Sultan, Jared Kinney, are they still to join the team or are they, they in there at the moment? Yeah, no, Jack, so um, Jack Salt's just battling through a bit of illness at the moment. Um, so we're, we're hoping he come, comes good. Um, and Jared Kenny, uh, after he finished up in with the Cairns Taipans, um, his partner in him had, uh, she, she's, um, she's Irish, I think. Um, she mm. almost, they, um, they had to head back up to Europe just for a short stint. So he'll be with us pretty soon. Uh, we're hoping that he'll be back running around in Jersey next week um, as, he, as he comes back shortly. So we've just recently had Hiram Harris um, come back from the Adelaide 36ers in the Australian NBL. Oh, it'll be good to see that see the lads back in amongst it and playing uh, for the Bay Hawks, mate. I just want to ask you about the foundations and kind of the 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 combination that the Bay Hawks have built over the last couple of years. They've always had a franchise and a team that's been there or thereabouts. Uh, they've uh, you know they've got a lot of history. They've always performed for you when you've come in. Have have you been trying to add to that foundation? What have you tried to instill your own little touches on on the team? And you spoke about the identity before and, and building that. How important is that for you? Yeah, look, it's been um, it's been a, a, a good, fun challenge to take my own personal coaching philosophy um, and like adapt it to the people and the talent that we have here. Um, you know, the guys that we've had, the cornerstone of players, uh, Ethan Ruspatch, Theron Rakawa, uh, Jordan Hunt, who's come back, um, you know, they've got strengths and it's the ability to try and figure out how do we how do we put people in positions to be successful and play play to their strengths, you know, within a within a team system. So, um, you know, new new group of people that have been successful and so, you know, I haven't come up and cut and paste and cookie-cutted my approach that I had down in Canterbury of, evolved and, and tried to you know adapt to the group that we've had so time will tell there's always teething teething problems early on and you know you've got guys that are you know coming off either breaks or other seasons or, or trying to fit into the locker room so we're uh, we're working our way through that but it always starts with the people and um you know what they can they can bring to this group and you know if they feel valued and they feel like they can contribute and um you know be ultimately play a key role in our in our success yeah let's hope let's hope that they can really come in and make a, a hell of a difference for you. What was it like going up to the Olympics um, as part of the coaching team for the Aussies? Uh, it was, um, I mean, it was a pinnacle event for my coaching. Like, I started quite young and, um, you know, I feel kind of blessed that I had had that opportunity. I think any any athlete or sports person will tell you that, you know, the higher you go um, with the event or, um, you know, world champs or something like that, you know, the talent, of the players and the coaches and the medical staff, like you've got the best of the best of the best competing. So, um, you know, the margins of error are so, so small. Um, the result was frustrating, but a few years later it turned around and Australia finally won their, their first Olympic medal after 50, 60 years going for it. But mm. my personal experience was just, yeah, it was, it was unbe- unbelievable. The only thing I'd say is uh Hell of a lot of hard work in a short period of time, you know, like they've got late games and you're, you're, only, you're surviving on a couple of hours sleep and you're part of the support staff, but that's that's what the the job is. But, yeah, it was just like a blur, three weeks straight of just, you know, bang, 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 just mm. scouting and getting ready for games and watching games and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, towards the end there, um, yeah, got, got to do a little bit of touristy stuff, which was, was pretty cool. 
Hey, Mick, um, Australian basketball is in an interesting spot at the moment, obviously significant growth. I don't know if you've seen this Liz Cambridge story at all. It's kind of blowing up over there. Um, that's quite enough. Another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's an interesting character, isn't she? And, and that's kind of a bit of uh, that's an unfortunate headline. Andrew Gaze, who does the SCN Drive show over in Sydney, just gave her a, a big old serve yesterday, and I think probably rightly so. A lot of her ex-teammates are feeling pretty gutted. But the, then you've got on the positive side of it, the Tassie Jack Jumpers, like what they've been able to do in the AMBL, like from a coaching perspective, that is quite incredible, isn't it, to be able to build what Izzy's talking about, those foundations, and implement them in year one. Oh, it's amazing. But the um, there's a guy that doesn't take any credit, but he probably um, has had a massive influence on that. That's Mika Vakona, you know, one of New Zealand's all-time mm. greatest. He's, he's had a role of a, um, like a consultant for the team in regards to leadership and culture. And so with the club and their ownership and the vision that they wanted for, for Tassie um, and, and Scott Ross, the coach, who's, you know, got his playing playing vision of the team. Mick has just been that glue behind the scenes that has helped help with the players and, um, you know, help with the coaching staff, bring it all together. And, I mean, it's amazing. They're just going absolutely crazy um, in Tasmania for their team. And they play. They play hard. They, they don't give an inch. They People look at teams on paper and they just keep all the experts. They just keep scratching their head because they can't figure it out how uh, how they got that far. But it just shows you a piece of paper doesn't mean anything. Like you've got to you've got to front up, and it doesn't matter what your reputation is or what you've done in your career. It's like what are you doing tonight? What are you doing right now? And uh, you know they've they've shown that, and I imagine they're inspiring a massive um, you know group of young young kids that are coming to games and watching them and, and be successful. So it's uh, it's an awesome injection for the sport down in Tasmania. Oh, just certain Breakers fans are absolutely thrilled to hear Mick Vakona um, inspiring with leadership and other franchises <laughs> in, in that competition. It's probably a story for another day. Hey, mate, we'll, we'll let you crack on, but great to have you on the program and good to see you um, put your little flavour into the uh, Hawks down there and you guys are going you're going good, so all the best. And uh, do you, quickly before we, we let you go, do you think that Tassie can nick one off uh, Sydney before it's done? Oh, it's going to be tough. It'd be nice if they did, though. Um, you know, it'd be really, really nice. But they are. They're, they're, they're climbing a pretty steep hill right now. So we'll um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But it'd be, be good for their fans if they're able to just, just get at least one in the, in the final and just push it that bit further. I guarantee that's what the locker room would be feeling like right now. They, they, think, they think they're unbeatable. Yeah, beautiful stuff, Mick. Appreciate your time, mate. Go well. Cheers, Thank Mick. You. Bye. There you go, McDowner. Is he? And um, you'll be loving those Hawks. He's very clued up. He's come all the way through the Australian system. He's been to Olympics. Um, great get by the Hawks. And why is that that basketball network down there so strong? Is it a big? Is it big in the region? Uh, yeah, it is big. Hastings boys, they've got a uh, you know a, a good basketball system there. They've produced some pretty talented um, players throughout the years. You got the Bartlets that uh, I think everyone's still playing for them. Um, he's always been there or there. Uh, Paul Winitana, uh, Paul Winitana uh, is Polder. Polder Winitana, sorry. And uh, he's um, yeah, like they just produce some some big talent around the around the region. So basketball is a, a big sport. Um, but their, their next game is the fourth of June, so they're on the road for the next month. They're on the road for the next month, mate. So they're they're, they're going to be away and. and you know, grinding on the road, trying to get these these dubs. So, yeah, it's a special team that like they've always been there or thereabouts. So I'm not a huge follower of of the of the Hawks, but when I'm being in the back uh, back in the bay, you've always just seen them that they've always been competing for for titles and there or thereabouts. 
Yeah, they're always go. They're always thereabouts. And I actually think um, well, I'm trying to work out the lunch situation. So. Kimpy and you bid on a lunch. <laughs> yeah, we smoked them too by 30. So what's that, Unc? Yeah, that's lunch. You're on. But then wasn't yeah. there another lunch? Oh, I just try to can't work, can't yeah, remember. You tried jumping on the you tried jumping on the ba- bandwagon, mate. Like I'd I'd unhook the trailer and I'm driving a like a semi semi trailer in, in an F1 race with Izzy and trying to get my boys home the years and unfortunately they couldn't do it that night. They weren't listening, so we'll pick that lunch up another time. But yeah, mate, you can like you tag along. You always tag along anyway. You you got you know deep pockets and you love a freebie. Um, but hey, <laughs> I, was laughing as he, I, I was laughing, mate. I got it. Whitehead was a producer, our high school's producer, a really good basketball program too. <laughs> I was laughing about that because he got a story, mate. I was playing first 15 and um, we played Otoronga College and the very next day, Whitehead was up against Otoronga College in the basketball. They were down a player but they had this really gun player in the Otoronga team and the our PE teacher said, hey, Tony, do you want to have a game of basketball? And I'd been watching basketball at school, but never really bounced the ball. Have you seen uh, Long Came Polly? Anyway, the guy, all he said to me was, just stick to that guy. Like, I was just, you know, real whip it. And just stick to that guy, and he never gets a ball. So I went out there, done it, and the guy couldn't get the ball, mate. I was like, I was stuck to him like glue. Anyway, I got the ball. <laughs> the ball just happened to drop to me, and I just took off down the court, bouncing the ball at 100 miles an hour, and forgot that the two-step rule and just threw it at the backboard. <laughs> and it's at the backboard. And I turn around and I look at the bench and all the boys that could play basketball, I was in the fourth form, all the seventh formers, mate, are on their backs, mate, just pissing their pants and laughter. And the next minute, the cold card comes up. <laughs> and, the, and the big hook, you're off. Get out Get of here. Off. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, oh. there's, a, there's a story for everyone. I love it. It's so funny. I'm just watching Louis' face. He's just sitting there looking at you going, where's this going? <laughs> I can imagine it, though. I can imagine it. You know, yeah. natural athlete, go face guard that guy. Really stick mm. to him like glue. And Lockdown. Patrick yeah, Beverly. Yeah, Pat Bevd. I bet you were talking some junk as well. Oh, I love it, Kempi. 18 minutes past 8 o'clock. There you go. Go. There's a bit of a basketball update. Remember, hoops head tonight. Uh, we've got Casey, Justin, Rick, Dog. Let it rain. And then into that commentary uh, of the Tassie Jack Jumpers, who you'd love to see get get a win against the Sydney Kings. And just that Liz Cambridge story I was talking about. It's a really interesting one um, that Andrew Gaze is le- in the wrong there, Louis. Like obviously she <laughs> said some. Despicable Her. comments. She made some despicable comments Her. against the Nigerian team. It's 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 horrible, isn't it? But she's just coming out and just acting like she's it's normal. It's okay. I, I, yeah, it, I don't know. You're right. It's you know mm. when someone does something that's like a bit off, and then they just act like it's totally normal, and it kind of can mm. give you that perception of oh, but. People, her teammates, the whole Australian basketball organisation, for context, she said, told the Nigerian players to go back to your third world country when she's gotten a bit worked up. In the Australian team, there is a Nigerian-born Australian who has been very upset by it. She has then um, had support, Liz, Mm. 
but with the team, they've all tried to band around her and, you know, they've tried, this is by multiple sources, they've all tried to kind of get around her and say, okay, it's okay, let's move on. She's gone back to the LA Sparks, so she's one of the best WNBA players in the whole comp, and she's unloaded on them saying, in this video, saying, oh, it's so nice to be around people that care for me and support for me, pretty much just having a crack at her Aussie teammates and the whole Australian program. That's led to guys like Andrew Gaze, who have given so much to the sport and to the green and gold for so long to come out and say this is deeply offensive and hurtful and she's done it before she's got a track record she's a bit of an odd unit and um it's a it's a real shocker because she won't play for the green and gold ever again and she's probably one of the best basketball players in the world she's got the WNBA points record 52 in a game or something mate i just yeah like that is horrible comments from herself um you know coming from a country which has has had its own racial problems and and yeah it's it's not a great look. She's obviously Karen's messaged me and said LA's got to her head and you're right. LA has got to her head. <laughs> hey Kezza. <laughs> she's got all LA on it, mate. She's got over there. She's in the big world because in America anything goes, mate. So yeah, it's crazy. Can she come back from this? She's, she can't come back from this. It's, it's all over for her back here. And uh, in, in the Australian team, she won't play again now. The, the, the relationship, she's shown nothing to try and mend it as well. 20 minutes past eight, Paul Mawati is not far away. You do never say never, like you never say Joseph Parker and Tyson Fury wouldn't have a fight. But um, <laughs> this one might be a bridge too far. 20 minutes past eight o'clock. But they haven't fought yet, Louis. <laughs> But they haven't fought yet, so until they fight, then I'll give you your bet, okay? Uh, okay, Izzy. Okay, Izzy. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.